The one with Beth. I got home late enough Friday night that it was actually Saturday morning, late enough to actually irritate my parents, who usually never cared about when I got in, but that night I had been on a date. That made it new, and that meant that they were paying attention. My dad actually demanded to smell my breath as a joke, but joke or not, he did actually smell it. Fortunately, the beers were ours in the past, and even more fortunately, I had cleaned my face, washing away the smell of pussy. So much pussy. In retrospect, it would have almost been worth the inevitable freakout to have seen the look on his face if he had smelled Mary and Maddie on me. Mom was also worried about my being out late, but she was really only worked up in the first place over the fact that I had been out with a girl. I shrugged it off, telling her we just went to Red Lobster, then went back to her house and played Blind Man's Bluff, a collectible card game she knew I liked and was about hidden identities with Mary's family. That was all sort of true. Mom relaxed when she heard the word games, something that finally made sense to her when it came to me and immediately reverted to doting mom, who is just glad her virgin son is dating. Finally, I suspect that she was secretly extra relived that I was dating girls, but she would never have let on about that. Saturday was spent packing, and saying goodbye, and having dinner at the club, where dad discreetly swapped his tall rum and coke with my plain coke at the table as a going-away present. Dad is cool! Monday my connecting flight was delayed almost four hours, and it was nearly seven in the evening when I finally got into my single, occupant dorm room. I put all my crap away before I did anything else. As a senior, I had no study hall. For those of us seniors, who had all already gotten into our college of choice, there was also little to no studying, even once the term got going again. Instead of going to visit any of my friends, I just chilled out in my room. I blandly texted the deed group that I was finally back, bitching about the airline. That way, I included Bridget in the know that I was back, without actually going out of my way to go see either her or my dudes. I got a simple a thumbs up emoji from Bridget. As for the guys, I got no return texts, but I knew what was coming. About three minutes after I made myself known, my dorm room door banged open and impiled Adam, Trez, and Ben, all having assembled before coming to see me. Ben almost slammed the door behind him, and the three of them tried to loom over me. I may not be a muscular guy, but even sitting on the bed, it is hard to loom that much over someone as tall as me. Hey guys, good to see you, I said casually. Details. Ben said sternly. What are you talking about? I continued blandly, enjoying myself at least 10% as much as I did on either of my dates, which is saying quite a lot. Trez tried to be cool and leaned against my closet door. Fuck that, Ben retorted, perching on the edge of my desk like a hawk. You claim to have gotten laid. D. Actually, I went on two dates, I said calmly, but practically jumping out of my skin inside. Two! they all exclaimed. I suppose you got laid on the second one too, Adam scoffed. I leaned back against the wall, put my hands behind my head, and crossed my ankles. My slugging percentage after the second date remains 4.0, I said, affecting banal superiority. Actually, if you understand baseball statistical math when you included Maddie, my slugging percentage had gone up to an impossible 6.0, but I had firmly decided that the Maddie factor was something not to be discussed at school, unless and until I really had something to gain besides random incredulity. It would be good to have a reserve. My boys all ooed at this revelation. I waited. I have intelligent friends, if almost as geeky as me. Hey, Adam said suddenly. You said this carry chick left for Vale the day after your first date. What happened? She come home early to worship your dick, he asked sarcastically. Second date was with a girl named Mary, I said, still painting the world bland. Actually, I'm not really being completely accurate, I added. Thought so, declared Tress triumphantly. 
Mary and I actually drove down to the beach together early in the week. Nothing happened other than putting suntan lotion on each other, but I guess you could call that a date too. But we went out for real on Friday. I looked at them each in turn. That's when we had sex. They stood there silent for a gratifyingly long time. Then they all three, virtually in unison, gave the full-throated cry of the dude. Bullshit! I silently removed my phone from my pocket, opened it, and pressed send on the text message I had already had primed. It was nothing but a selfie Mary, and I had taken on the beach. I had chosen the one with the best view of that bathing suit, complete with its ample cleavage, tasty side boob, and even a touch of underboob. I dropped the phone like a mic and just chuckled as I watched them lunge for their dinging phones. They gave that picture a very long look. Then they looked at my smug ass expression. Then they looked at the picture some more. Gentlemen, Trez intoned in a deep British-sounding voice, paraphrasing that centurion from I, Claudius, which we had watched in Roman history. The man has undergone a meter. More. Phosis, he has become. The questions came at me fast and furious. I answered those I wanted to, giving the guys enough details to have them dying, but playing the gentleman card liberally to withhold plenty of details that kept them thoroughly frustrated and probably imagining even greater heights of success than I had actually achieved. No, not that. Imagining anything beyond what I had been through would be impossible. I had scaled the Everest of teenage dating. At last, their questions were all meeting with sealed lips. So what? You are just going to spend the rest of tonight sitting here like a cat who got a truckload of canaries all night, Ben said in frustration. No, I replied, letting some evil into my voice. I am about to go down to the tuck shop and get a burger and shake, since I missed dinner. While there, I better not hear anything about my vacation from anyone outside this room. In their disgust at my tight-lippedness, they refused to go down with me to eat. That was okay. In my current state, my ego and I filled my booth all by ourselves. I had been there half an hour before I realized that I had said hello to every person who came through the snack bar. This had never been my M.O. in the past, but I was feeling like I had nothing to be shy about. A few of the girls even smiled back at me when I said hello. I was little surprised that almost all of them seemed to know who the hell I was in the first place. Barely. As I was polishing off my fries, my phone dinged. Bridget, have your boys finally left you alone? Me, yes. Are you going to start now? Bridget, nah, I'll leave you alone. Bridget, I hear tomorrow's practice will be hard, but short. All three of us are going to corner you after. Expect to be late for dinner. Well, wasn't that going to be just peachy? Still, Bridget, Beth, and Carla were my buds, just like my dad boys. They deserved the same treatment I gave the guys, and I would mind the same enjoyment from it. Like with the guys, I'd give them exactly as much detail as I needed to get the most entertaining reactions and no more. I was dimly aware that giving them the same level of detail I had told the guys might be a little more awkward, considering that they were sort of the other team, but the thing was, I still had questions about what had happened to me. If I eventually decided to ask them, I thought those members of the opposite team would be more likely to give useful answers than my mangy dudes could if I decided to ask those questions. Probably not. Monday's first track practice was indeed hard, especially for distance runners like me and Bridget. But it was nowhere near as short as promised. The ten-minute pep talk from our captains at the end about the upcoming season was just a cherry on top of the marathon afternoon. As we all broke up for the long walk back to the dorms from way up on the hill, where the track was, I found Bridget, Carla, and Beth surrounding me as I walked. They steered our way off to the longer route back, herding me like a sheep away from our teammates, or like a lamb to the slaughter, perhaps. Since I planned to treat them just like the guys, 
I let them drag things out just the same way. They even followed the same basic script for the most part. To begin with, then things got weird and difficult. Now wait just a damned minute, Carla demanded. Do these two girls know each other at all? They have been pretty much best friends for years, I replied, not really considering my answer. All three of them stopped dead in their tracks. Bridget reached out and spun me around by my shoulder. You went out with the girl and hit that on your first date with her. Moreover, it was on your first date ever. And her best fucking friend comes on to you less than 48 hours later. What did this Carrie say about you? The trip to the beach was not a date, I said awkwardly. Mary wasn't coming on to me. It was me who asked her out for the date, and that was not until on the ride home. All three of them laughed out loud at that. I narrowed my eyes at their sudden hilarity. Carla spoke first. Alistair, fuck that new name. She drove for almost an hour with you, alone to the beach, where she wore this bathing suit. My light brown-haired friend continued relentlessly, waving her phone with that picture on it, where she had you rub lotion on her back, right? I wanted to get back in control of this situation. Back and backside, yes, I said defiantly. Carla's eyes bugged out. She had you rub lotion on her ass, she virtually screamed. Beth patted me on the shoulder. Let us let you in on a girl's secret, Alistair, she said condescendingly. And with much glee, that girl had already decided that she wanted to bone you, not just simply go out with you. Before she even called you that morning, you went to the beach. What? I exclaimed. All three of them just nodded at me. Which brings us back to my question, Bridget ground out through her irritatedly gritted smile. What did this Carrie girl tell her best god, damned friend about you, that had that friend set out immediately to jump your bones? I don't know, I shouted back. We had stumbled near one of those subjects I had thought I might ask some questions of my own about. Well, think. The three of them just stood there, in the middle of the long deserted path back to the campus, and stared me down. I thought furiously. Okay, there were two things that everybody kept mentioning like they were huge deals, I said still thinking. I briefly realized I had almost said all three of them kept mentioning. That would have been a fuck up. And those things were? My chief interrogator, Bridget, prompted sweetly. Okay, first you need to understand. I apparently grew up in some weird place where few guys seem to like eating pa. Um... Ah, cunnilingus, I said earnestly. They all looked at me. And you do, Bridget said calmly. Of course, I snorted. What's not to love? It's fun, and the real cool part is the way they looked while I... I trailed off, aware I just might be over, sharing on the details. They were my friends, but even in my mind, they were girls. Sort of. But I couldn't help myself. It's fucking awesome. Doesn't everybody know that? So, you have gone downtown twice now, and you are this enthusiastic? Beth asked. Three times, I replied automatically. If I was going to sheepishly admit that I needed additional information, I at least wanted to make sure I got the best advice I could garner. Oh ho, who got it twice? Beth asked. Let's not get bogged down in that level of detail, Bridget said dismissively tossing her red curly hair. That saved me from having to think yet again about how to evade talking about Maddie. That was where I had to be careful here, I thought to myself. Bridget looked at Beth and Carla as if summing up the explanation. So he is some kind of lingual savant, she said, ignoring my presence. I think that explains things. The others nodded. Oh, by the way, said Carla, as we started walking the rest of the way back to school. You said there were two things. What was the other? I dunno, I said, waving my hand in dismissal. Apparently dicks come in different sizes or something. Our progress stopped again, even more abruptly. Alistair, dear, Beth asked sweetly. What size does yours come in? I dunno. I never thought I ought to measure it, I replied in confusion. It comes up to about here on me, I said 
indicating where my cock reached on my abdomen when it was interested. And how big around is it? Beth went on, just as sweetly. I made a gesture with my fingers, shrugging. They looked at each other. Oh, fuck this, exclaimed Carla. This is bullshit. Drop your pants, I have to see this thing. I was confused at being called out on this, of all details. My hands automatically strayed toward my waistband, but I stopped and explained. It's not, um, interested. Right now, it's the same size as most everybody else I've seen in the shower, when it's like this. Stop reaching for your pants, Bridget shouted desperately. We are not going to all stand here and worship your cock. Worship? What the fuck are you talking about? I'm just trying to. Look, Bridget said, holding up her hands, like she was describing a smallish rainbow trout that she had caught. You say your penis is about this long, right? A little more? Yeah, I said, examining the gap. I definitely call bullshit, Carla said. Look, next time you think about this Cario Mary, pull out a ruler, hold it next to this mighty scepter of yours, and send us a picture. Yeah, right, I scoffed. I'm not sending dick pics to you guys. Damn, and he was being so cooperative, Carla muttered. I still don't see what, I began, before Bridget cut me off. How the actual fuck can you be so smart and yet so dumb? All, you have at least two qualities that girls find both rare and highly desirable. Word about that gets around, which is why we are going to keep our mouths shut about this she said meaningfully. I don't know, Beth giggled. Alistair might want us to talk him up. A few choice words in the right ears, and he'll be ploughing his way through the senior class. That sounds good to me, I chirped. They all three hit me, hard enough to hurt in one case. I think it was Carla. All, Alistair, Bridget said. Great, now she was doing it. You are our friend. We know there are girls out there for you. Obviously, there are girls out there for you. But you have already figured out how to ask a girl out all on your own. Do that here if some girl interests you. Don't rely on your Yelp reviews. Tuesdays, I had a double period for app chemistry, meaning it was lab day. Beth and I had first become friends back during introductory chemistry right after she had transferred to our school at the start of junior year. Alphabetically, Talbot and Taylor, we had been assigned as lab partners that year, and we found that we worked well together. When spring rolled around, after she joined the track team as a sprinter, she had sort of eased into being the third member of my group of tomboy, girl, jock friends. Students could choose their lab partners in app chem, and Beth and I had never thought to do anything other than what we already knew worked. All right, you gremlins, said our teacher, Dr. French, beginning class. Here is the only part of the year where I worry about killing one or more of you, so please pay more than your usual token attention, okay? Zach Mason's hand immediately shot up, and he spoke before being called on. Excuse me, Dr. French. But, speaking of mortal danger, what about the thermite incident? The thermite incident had occurred back in October, Dr. French had. Never mind, it's not important, even though the yearbook staff had already announced that that day would have its own page in our annual. Less yakking, more listening, Mr. Mason, Dr. French growled. None of you lot were in danger of dying during that experiment, just me and the ceiling. And the furniture and the floor. I could not help but mutter. I'm not usually one to clown around in class, and Dr. French gave my A somewhat surprised glare. We are going to spend the next few weeks on identifying unknown substances. You did this before in Introductory Chem, but this year the substances are more difficult to identify. And I cannot emphasize this enough, you louts. Many of the unknowns this time around are toxic, to one degree of Another. That means, do not taste your unknowns. Are you in particular paying attention to me, Mr. Woolworth? Beth and I went to our assigned lab table with our mystery unknown substance. As we sat down to plan our process, she sat next to me, 
instead of across from me like she always had in the past. What's up with sitting over here? I asked curiously. Oh, I'm just tired of Stan Woolworth staring at my ass like he has been all year. What a perv. Exactly. Beth does have a nice ass. In fact, back when she had first transferred in, before we had really become friends, I had done my own share of visually mapping its contours from my quiet anonymity. Want me to sit on the other side? I asked, staring intently at the white substance we were to identify. Nah, side by side is cool. Stan is just going to stare at your boobs now, you know, I smirked to her slyly. Alistair Taylor, Beth whispered, mild scandalized and majorly surprised. I blushed a little. That higher base-level confidence I'd found over spring break was a two-edged sword. I really still needed to work on my filters before I got myself in trouble by flirting with my friends. So, you think my tits are worth staring at? She teased, batting her eyelashes extravagantly. In trouble like this? Screw it. Beth had broken up with her boyfriend back home at Christmas, then got a nowhere fast all winter with Howie Tom. She could use a compliment, even if it was just from me. They are fine. Just not as good as your ass. I replied, still keeping my eyes on our unknown. Beth hit me over the head with her notebook. The slap was loud. Dr. French spoke up quellingly, while I obviously applaud your intent, Miss Talbot. Please chastise the annoying Mr. Taylor for whatever he has done on your own time, not mine. Sundays were our one day at school, with no specific obligations on our schedules, except for study hall in the evening. For the underclassmen. For the underclassmen. For me, Sundays meant did all afternoon with Ben Tress, Adam, and Bridget. I had taken over as dungeon master during the winter after Ben burnt out on doing the job. I wasn't the best, most creative diem, but I had the virtue of being willing to do it. That did not keep me from getting the occasional criticism for my admittedly paint-by-number style of storytelling. Come on, Al, grumped Adam, throwing his hands in the air. Another set of three ogres arguing. We encountered arguing ogres last month, too. Leave Alistair alone, Adam, Bridget said, coming to my defence like a good friend. Poor kids only managed to read one book in his entire life, and his mom had to help with that. He has limited source material. Hey! I've heard Carla call him Alistair too, Ben said curiously. What's up with using his whole name? Oh, you know, Bridget said airily. We just thought that Alistair needs a man's name now. Tress laughed. Oh, a name change just because I'll got laid? His eyes widened as he realized what he'd said and in what company. Adam and Ben both smacked him while they all looked furtively away from Bridget. Calm down, morons, Bridget said easily. I was the one that guessed it first. In the chat, remember? I'm in the loop. But yes, that's the point. All screwed Carrie. Now he is Alistair. She seemed to take this as simple logic now. In the loop, huh? Ben chuckled. I could see the word Mary floating between the guy's eyes. If you are referring to the Carrie and Mary situation, I, um, in the loop, Bridget ground out. I had had enough of this particular discussion. Time to exercise Dungeon Master's prerogative. The three ogres stop arguing and swing the gazes upon your party, I intoned. Oi, look at chow time. The three of them call out together. Two of them lumber directly toward you. The third takes a moment to take a giant iron spike out of his pouch and screw it into his stone club. Then he hustles for an ogre to catch up and not miss out on dinner. All four of them ignored me. Carrie and Mary, Ben mused. All does seem to have a type when it comes to names, doesn't he? Maybe he should go after Sherry as his first conquest here at school, suggested Tress. Enough, you guys, Bridget growled. Grow up. She paused a beat, then muttered. And for God's sake, not Sherry Stroheim. Sherry was a moderately cute senior who was the closest thing to a genuine slut you could find at my school. Seeming to come to Bridget's aid, Adam added seriously. This is getting weird, and we have ogres about to kill us. Guys, everybody seemed to blessedly agree, and they started trying to make a plan. 
Besides, Adam added slowly, carefully not looking at me or her, maybe Bridget has someone else in mind for all. I cast double strength fireball on the lead ogre, snapped Bridget. That will put Adam in the blast radius, I decided. Exactly, she snapped. What? Adam cried out. I think that reaction we are hearing means we don't have to roll for surprise on Adam, I said evilly. Rolling for surprise on the other ogres. They all make their saves, rolling for their dodge. Two get out of the way. Ten six for damage to Adam and the ogre closest to him, Bridget. Guys, Adam shouted. You are not serious. Forty-nine points, Bridget announced her, total with glee. Beth and I were going to need a pretty focused plan if we were to narrow down and identify our unknown substance. We met up Monday night in the library, which is usually deserted that late at night when it isn't term paper season. Tuesday would be the first lab period where we could actually run our experiments on the unknowns, and we needed to be ready to start immediately. Time was going to be limited. We sat across from each other at a small table in the back of the upper floor. Our table was nowhere near the reference section, but we both had our laptops and spreadsheet printouts, and we didn't need reference books for Chem anyway. As a bonus, we were far enough from where the librarian was working downstairs that we didn't have to whisper to talk things through. The challenge was to figure out the fewest number of tests needed to narrow our ideas of what the stuff could conceivably be down to. Only one possibility. We were not having an easy time. After a while, we just fell into companionable silence as we searched for anything we might have missed. Then I jumped when I felt Beth's toe graze my slacks. She had kicked her shoes off, like she always did at the first opportunity. Hey! I chuckled. Sorry, Beth said, not looking up. Less than a minute later, she practically dragged her toe down my leg. What is with you? I asked. I was met with a grin. What's the matter? Beth asked, a strange combination of teasing and shy on her face. Don't you like it? She went on. Now she dipped her foot, hooked her toes up under the cuff of my slacks, and ran them up the inside of my pants leg, across my bare skin. The all of a month ago would have been confused and uncertain about whether Beth was flirting with him. The Alistair of that night was quite certain that she was. This did not mean that I was sure what to do about it, and I was even more in the dark about what had precipitated it. But I found that it also did not mean that I was unhappy about it. I settled for, hissing quietly, where did this come from? But I simultaneously slid my leg a little forward, closer to her. Her toes slid higher, lifting my pant leg as it went. Beth flipped her long brown hair back over her shoulder and leaned forward to rest her chin on her fist, elbow on the table. If a guy tells a girl that she has a nice tush, maybe she just wants to say thanks, did not see that coming. I really had to pay attention to those filters on what I say. You did mean it, right? Beth teased a little more. You do think I have a nice ass? I looked at her eyes. Yes, she was teasing me, but she also apparently very much wanted to hear a yes. Those filters could wait to be worked on. Honestly, Beth, no, you don't have a nice ass, I said with a sigh. It's a fucking incredible ass. Happy now, Beth started a little when I said. Incredible, now she leaned back in her chair. Happy enough, she chirped. Her toes flicked free of my pants cuff, but only so that she could slide her foot all the way up to my knee. I slumped back in my chair, sliding forward under the table. We are going to need to test the reactivity early on, I said, as if nothing was going on down there. Beth nodded in agreement, and we discussed an option or two. But underneath the wooden tabletop, her foot was caressing its way up the inside of my thigh. Her toes and ball of her foot pressed into my hard, lean thigh, rubbing back and forth with spine, tinglingly perfect pressure. I took my eyes off the laptop screen and locked my gaze on hers. We continued to discuss testing options. Actually, we were arguing happily about the order in which we needed to run them. Our conversation continued in just the way that we always worked things out. But it was not long before Beth ran out of room to go further up my thigh, and I found her strong, bare foot 
resting not so lightly on the very, very hard bulge at my groin. Damn, this was nice. You are welcome, I said, my throat a bit dry. Hama, you are saying thank you for the compliment, right? Her blue eyes crinkled, and her foot withdrew, alas. Beth sat up and looked around. My eyes followed hers, curiously. If I followed her analysis correctly, while we were indeed in the most out-of-the-way end of the top floor of the library, we were still sitting right out in the open, where anybody simply entering the floor could see us. I was beginning to wonder if Beth was intending more than just some out-of-character flirtation. Our very visible position was fortunate. It should give me time to sort out a potentially very confusing situation. Beth suddenly stood up and stretched. The fact that she turned most of the way around to do it, giving me a panoramic view of her backside as it swung by, could not have been an accident. I need a break from chemistry, she grumped. You could do some English homework, I suggested. Everybody always has English homework. You cannot procrastinate on your homework by doing different homework, Dork Beth snorted. That's not how it works. She looked down at me for a moment. I am going to find something else to read. With that, she marched off to the stacks. It could not have been a coincidence that she chose the far back aisle against the wall, especially since it was in the poetry section. She hated poetry. She looked over her shoulder at me as she dipped into the bookshelves, suddenly lost from sight. I was out of my chair to follow her before I really thought about it. I caught up with her at the end of the aisle, where she leaned back against the wall, looking at a book. She was holding it upside down. There were a host of reasons that I should not have followed her into this hidden area, much less strode right up to her with that new confidence of mine. But I did anyway. My eyes ran up and down her as I walked down the row. Her dark denim skirt was tight and only reached mid-thigh, showing off her sprinter's calves and thighs which were nicely honed by many races and practices at 100 and 200 meters. She was facing me, but I already knew how well the skirt clung to her crazily fit ass. She wore a loose school t-shirt with our mascot on the front. She had her hair draping down her chest on both sides, and her blue eyes were locked onto me, not the upside, down book. I made it to right in front of her before my nerve finally failed me. Still, I was standing closer to her than I would ever have stood to any girl before that spring. I wanted to say something, but couldn't. I wanted to do something, but couldn't. It seemed I had done enough for Beth. Despite her sprinter's physique, she really wasn't all that tall, more than half foot shorter than me, but she just leaned forward, rose on her tiptoes, and kissed me, softly, slowly, and lingeringly. I leaned forward so that she didn't need to stay on her toes and kissed her back, surprising myself with how hungrily I did so. We broke apart after a deliciously long time. My heart was racing and Beth's breathing was shallow. This could be a bad idea, I said, regret in my voice. No, it isn't, Beth said quietly but firmly. It's just complicated. I finished for her. Right. If you and I, I gulped. They will freak, I whispered, meaning Bridget and Carla. Shit will get weird. Not if they don't hear about it, she smirked. But if we, I started to say. But Beth put a finger in my lips. Come on. It is not like we are going to date or anything. I'm not looking for another boyfriend. You know damned well I've had too many over the last two years. Three serious boyfriends in two years was too many. And, given your life the last couple weeks... I can't imagine you are suddenly looking to be a one-girl guy, am I right? Beth went on, in the voice of someone who had given the situation some thought. Certainly more thought than I'd had a chance to. Her question took me aback. For most of my life, I'd have given a finger just to go on a date, not to mention actually having a girlfriend. And girlfriend, much less one as cute as I was suddenly rediscovering Beth, was. But she was right about me now. I most certainly felt no urge to have a girlfriend. In fact, between the unfamiliar confidence I felt around girls and the occasional appearance of that inner male instinct, 
I found myself completely uninterested in being part of an exclusive couple. I instantly worried that pride goeth before the fall when I examined that thought. But I didn't change my mind, either. I still blushed as I said, Um, yeah, I do kind of want to see if I really can stretch my wings a little. Then let's stretch our wings together, Beth cooed, and began to kiss me again. She really was a good kisser. It wouldn't be hard to keep a little making out a secret from everybody, would it? All we would have to do is not act lovey, dovey around anyone else. I slid my arms back around her waist, simultaneously pressing her shoulders back against the wall and pulling her hips forward against mine. I let my tongue slide free and caress her lips. Beth eagerly parted her mouth in reply, and our tongues met, tentatively at first, then with increasing fervor. She wrapped her arms around my upper arms and shoulders, pulling me forward, which pressed her even more firmly against the wall. I could not help myself, and slid my hands down to clasp her just so goddamn nice ass. As I touched the rough fabric of her skirt, I could instantly feel how firm her cheeks were. But Beth jumped a little as my hands found their target, and she peeped just a little bit. Shit, I knew things were going to get weird, and I clearly did not know what I was doing. Here we were just kissing for two seconds, and I go and grab Beth's ass. My buddy's ass. My fingers sprang free. Before I could separate our lips, Beth did it first. Before I could speak, Beth did that first too. Don't stop. Squeeze it. Harder. Then she practically rammed her tongue back onto my mouth, hooking the tip upward and dragging it across the back of my teeth. I'm a smart guy, and from these incredibly subtle clues, I deduced that I had not, in fact, gone too far after all. As instructed, I clasped her cheeks once more and practically mauled them. Her muscular backside filled my grasp and flexed enticingly as I held it. Damn, your ass is amazing, I growled through our clenched lips. Beth chuckled quietly. Best you felt, she asked with a sexy confidence. Hell yeah, I started to say, but paused. Carrie had an unbelievably nice ass too. They both were far, far too amazing for the likes of my humble fingers. I realized that stopping my reply mid, yes, might become a problem, so I quickly deflected by drawing back and looking into her eyes. I think maybe a guy shouldn't make comparisons. Beth laughed again. I'd never heard her laugh like this. It was. Very sexy. That might be wise for a whole lot of reasons. Suddenly, she was kissing my neck hungrily. That felt amazing. My hands were now eager to explore. While one remained firmly clamped on Beth's backside, I raised the other and went for a quick feel of one of her breasts. Beth just pressed back against my hand. Her breasts were a little smaller, but the one I gripped still felt delightful in my grasp. I held it softly, teasing her nipple a little through the fabric. The big news was that she was not wearing a bra, and I was fairly certain that that was not her standard operating procedure. She must have premeditated this little make-out session even more than I had thought. The other big news was that my cock was very hard and very uncomfortably out of position in my slacks. It was twisted over to the side and tangled so hard in my underwear that I felt like the fabric was going to tear. I could not help it, and embarrassing as it was, I let go of Beth's breast and slid my hand down to adjust myself. There is obviously no way humanly possible to be casual enough to keep a girl you are kissing from noticing that you are adjusting yourself, but I was genuinely in pain and had to sort things out. Beth let out another small one of those new, sexy laughs. Gotta rearrange the furniture, she said softly. I just nodded breathlessly and leaned to kiss her again, still trying to tug things into a more comfortable position. Well, since I hope I'm responsible, Beth murmured, I think I should help. With that, she just reached down, slid her hand down under the waistband of both trousers and underwear and wrapped it around my cock. She squeezed my hardness and gently slid it fully upright. I would have felt quite relieved to escape my tangled condition, had that sensation not been completely overwhelmed by the fact that Beth was holding my dick.
Beth was holding my dick. She let her finger slide up and down my length, then did it again. It seemed like she started to jerk her hand out of my pants, but then she left it, gently clasping my tip. Jesus, Al. I mean Alistair. You undersold it. This thing is fucking enormous. I was no longer bewildered and confused when a girl was profanely incredulous upon first encountering my penis, but I was starting to seriously enjoy it. Beth started caressing me up and down and wiggling against me. Then she froze. She pushed me away from her and then herself slightly away from the wall. She said matter-of-factly, I am so going to suck your cock. Wish me luck. I hope I survive. With a wink, I watched wordlessly as she started to bend her knees. A sharp noise rang out somewhere in the library, not close by, but probably on our floor. Beth shot back up straight, her hand sliding gently but swiftly from my pants. She stated the blindingly obvious. Fucking fuck! I cannot get busted sucking dick in the stacks. God damn it! She swore again in quiet frustration. About the only thing the colleges which had already accepted kids cared about beyond the check clearing, besides outright failing grades of course, were disciplinary actions. We probably would not lose our places in college over sexual adventurism, but prep school students are pathologically paranoid about anything related to their college future. Besides, I knew Beth's father. I'd met the man twice before. I would encounter him at least once more, at graduation. I wanted to live to see 19, but I also wanted to have Beth suck my cock. I was in fact keenly eager for that eventuality, now that the possibility had been broached. Keenly. The thing is, preppies have less sex than public school kids for a variety of reasons. Chief among them is privacy. We seldom actually leave campus. We are allowed to, we just usually don't, since we don't have cars, and most everywhere on campus, faculty or staff are liable to just show up, out of nowhere, at all kinds of odd times. Access to the dorm rooms of the opposite sex is allowed, though discreetly but rigorously regulated. I had never so much as a thought about inter-dorm visitation until senior year, when my track chicks and I all found ourselves in the same app calculus section and we started to study together in a group. It caused quite a stir for a while, when I first had three girls over to my dorm room a few times. It was generally decided that it was unfair having such a situation wasted on me, who would not know what to do with one girl, much less three. Or at least that is what most guys said when they didn't think I could hear. I had generally agreed with them, though, in all honesty. But the point is, when a girl or girls were in your room, it became known. Faculty lived on every floor of every dorm, eyes were kept peeled, and if just Beth came to my room, or just I went to hers, even if the faculty did not cotton on, the mere fact would be noticed by other students, and then commented on, and then it would get back to Carla and Bridget. So, what could Beth and I do for? I chuckled. Beth, who had also been furiously pondering the dilemma, snapped eagerly. What do you have? I work here in the library, I said. Swell, she snarked. Want me to help you shelve some books? I had to put some things away in the recording studio a while back, I said, snaking my arm around Beth again, after double checking once more that the coast was still clear. Miss Saniochi gave me the code to the lock. I think I still have it in my phone. We barely had the presence of mind to grab our laptops and other stuff from the table before we hustled into the seldomed, used back stairwell, and from there down to the basement. The recording studio is a small room in the basement of the library. A minor rock star, who was an alumnus, had gifted the school, out of the blue, a complete, modern, professional recording suite. It had been fun my sophomore year, when it had arrived, and there had been a faculty tempest over where to set it up, and how. Finally, they had relented and let some of our more musically gifted students install it for them. The equipment was installed, and stored in a locked room in the back of the basement of the library. At nine o'clock on a Wednesday night, there was simply no way there would be any faculty drive. 
boss in that dark, locked space. I did still have the code. The door opened, and we slipped in, closing it behind us. I checked that it was now once again locked. I had no more turn to move into the room when Beth's hand snaked around from behind me and once more into my pants. My hard on had in no way abated as we ran downstairs, and her fingers curled around me again. Now this is more like it, Beth exclaimed. I just moaned. Beth slipped her hand free again and pushed me back to lean against a table. At last, I get to see this legendary monster, she giggled. Legendary? I asked skeptically. Well, the three of us may have had a discussion, or three about whether to believe you, after you dropped that innocent, little comment about not knowing everyone didn't have donkey cocks. We decided that it wasn't in you to pull off a lie like that. What is it with all this? I complained, briefly derailed from the thought of Beth's mouth. I'm not some kind of circus freak. I would very much like to be the judge of that, Beth snorted. Show me. Show you? If you want me to bend down and snork your cock into my mouth, lavishing all my attention on it for a good long time, Beth said with the silky, smooth evil of a succubus demon in her voice, you will take that penis out and show it to me. Wow. Okay, was all I could manage. I fumbled at my fly, unzipped, and shoved both slacks and underwear down to my ankles. I straightened. You are a circus freak, Beth said breathlessly. What? She giggled, getting down on one knee in front of me, in the best possible way. Don't worry. But then, instead of doing anything, she just stared at me, or more precisely, at my cock. I could see her eyes running up and down it, her head tilting back and forth. The whole thing started getting uncomfortable. She was kneeling there, thinking about. Frankly, I didn't know what she was up to right then. I just knew that I was feeling a bit like a creature in an exhibit. Moreover, no blowjob was happening. I was really rather fixated on that idea by now, but I didn't want to sound pushy or demanding. However, she had kind of promised, hadn't she? Damn, my cock was aching. Beth, um, you said you might. I couldn't finish the question. She looked up at me swiftly, her cute, broad smile popping the dimple in her right cheek that only appears when she is really amused or happy. Don't worry, Alistair, she said, emphasizing my newly decided. Upon name, I said that I would, not might. I'm just planning out how to go about this. She looked back down at my dick, and her smile morphed into crookedly pursed lips. The sigh that escaped my lips as she finally reached out and stroked my shaft with a single fingertip was blissful. Beth ran that finger up my length, then wrapped her hand around my head and slowly stroked about halfway back down. Then she held me there as she bent and kissed my tip. If I had been bliss... Filled at her first touch, I felt transcendent now as she advanced to that kiss. She began with her lips lightly pursed upon my very top. Then she began to kiss me a little harder, then harder still. She next let her lips slip open slowly, still kissing me. Her tongue flicked out lightly and briefly, glancing across the now insanely sensitive, swollen and purple skin of my cock's head as it slowly entered her mouth. Now her lips were even more open, pressing downward to wrap gently around the circumference of my glands. Her tongue rolled back and forth now, caressing my helmet within her mouth. I felt her work her mouth to release more saliva, which seeped out through the gentle seal of her lips around me, dripping down my shaft. As she, with that same deliberate, agonizing, fantastic, deliberate pace, took bit after bit more of me into her mouth. Her hand began to slide along my exposed shaft, reaching for the wetness of her spit to lubricate its progress up and down me. I was far enough into her mouth now that her tongue had less freedom of movement. Instead, she simply pressed it up against me, cradling the invader on a soft bed of warm, wet, responsive flesh. My sighs were now groans. Slowly, and either leisurely or cautiously, she took more of me, sliding me deeper. Her hands now both jacked up and down the exposed portion of my length with deliberate, firm movements. Finally, 
I felt myself bump against the back of her throat, and she instantly gagged. Beth backed off, opening her lips around my cock for the first time, but not removing me from her mouth. She looked up at me with an unreadable expression, licked the underside of my shaft, and closed her lips tightly around me again. Again, she slid me into her mouth. And again, she gagged. And then, one more time. The last time, she held it a moment, while she slid her hand up to her lips. Then she let my dick slide completely free of her mouth, measuring how much she had taken in. Nope, she said. Her hand slipped up to the end of my dick, soaking itself in the copious saliva all over me there, and she resumed stroking me in even longer strokes. Beth bent and circled her extended tongue all around my head in circles, pausing here and there to talk to me. I could never in a million, you gulk years. Get all of you down my throat, she said breathlessly. You really don't have. I gasped, worried that she might not be feeling good about herself. And I'll admit, more worried that she might give up. Hey, I know I don't, Gluck. Have to. Take it all to make you hung. Come, Beth said, licking and kissing the end of my cock fervently. When I'm done with you, Gluck, you are going to paint. My face like a pointillist. Glock, masterpiece. With that little boast, I especially liked the art history knowledge flex. She sucked a good bit of my length back into her mouth and began for Bob up and down in earnest. Moist lips locked tightly around my circumference. She twisted and rolled her head as she worked, stimulating every millimeter of me from multiple angles. The firm, velvety grasp of her hand kept up its metronomic movements like a bass line for the music of her mouth. Her free hand suddenly slid up my inner thigh and she dragged a nail lightly between my legs, under my balls. I jumped and felt my orgasm lurch up on deck. That second, stroking hand now cupped my balls and squeezed them gently. She also was sucking really hard on me as if trying to drink an overly thick milkshake through a straw. She was going get that milkshake any second now. I dimly remembered through my haze that she had said something about painting her face. I began to groan out. Gonna come, but Beth had felt my surge already. She pulled backward, sliding my dick from her mouth. Then she began to jack me furiously, her other hand still cradling my balls. She closed her eyes and mouth, and smiled. Yeah, I painted her face. But it was more like those abstract paintings, with giant smears of paint, rather than some pointillist aerosol spray. My knees wobbled, uncontrollably, and my dick, beyond, throbbed in her hand, as gobs of cum shot out of me in several huge gouts each of which made me feel like I was dying gloriously as it ejected. Beth just smiled serenely, as one spray coated her closed right eye. The next splashed across her nose and a cheek. Another liberally coated her closed lips, chin, and upper throat. Others filled in gaps a bit. And just like that, I was empty, except for pleasure. I was full of that. I looked down at Beth's sticky face and said, Jesus, Beth, how are we going to clean that off so you can see? She laughed briefly. You did seem to do a good job, she said, pausing to spit back out a glob of semen that had dripped into her mouth as she spoke. She wiped her lips with the back of her hand while waving the other around blindly. Um, I keep a microfiber towel in my backpack. Could you grab it? I waddled over to where she had dropped her pack still hobbled by my pants around my ankles. The towel was buried deep, but I found it. I yanked it out and held it up in triumph, of course. Beth couldn't see because both her eyes had ended up sealed shut with my goo. Jesus, Beth, I said apologetically. That's a lot. I placed the towel in her hands and added, I got a bunch in your hair even. Beth laughed, softly spitting out more cum which was still dripping into her mouth. Don't apologize. This is the hottest shower I've ever had, she stated daubing at her face. The towel looked like it was going to be up to the task, but barely. It was going to take her a minute to get her face, 
and especially eyes, clean. I thought about helping, but what I did instead was help her to stand enough to sit in a chair. Then I knelt in front of her in turn. That looks like it will take you a moment or two, I said upwards toward her. I'll let you work while I get on with something I need to do. Beth made an inquiring noise, which was rapidly replaced by a murmur of enthused consent as I began kissing my way up the inside of her thigh. She let her legs spread wide in welcome. Her tight blue jean skirt was short to begin with, but as her legs slid apart, they forced the hem to slide all the way up to her hips. My eyes followed its progress as I licked up her thigh. It revealed that my friend had really planned ahead for this. She was wearing no panties either. Beth did not shave her pubes, though her legs were smooth as silk. Her bush was dark and very curly and already damp, and it smelled just fucking divine. I slid my hands up the backs of her thighs and grabbed as much of her sweet ass that wasn't pressed into the chair as I could hold, and I buried my face in her. I let my tongue delve into her dark, tangled curls, seeking her opening. Finding it easily, I slid my taster into her, murmuring happily. Beth's whole body seemed to simultaneously tense and relax at my entry. I drilled into her with my tongue, pressing it up and down inside her. I squeezed her ass some more as I lifted my tongue to seek out her clit for an initial light caress. I knelt lower, so I could lift my gaze to see her face while keeping my own buried between her legs. She was still a mess. Her eyes and brows were clear, as was her face around her mouth, but both cheeks still showed blobs here and there, and I could still see cum in her hair, and I could still see cum in her hair. Getting your jizz in a girl's hair seemed like a potential fox pass, but I let it ride for right now. My mouth had better things to do at the moment than apologize again. Beth had, meanwhile, temporarily abandoned her efforts to clean herself up and was staring down at me with wide eyes, half-sticky towel dangling from her fingers. I sucked a little on her bud, and she groaned, almost closing her eyes for a moment before once again fixing them on mine. She swiftly wiped both cheeks, that jizz-laden curl still sticking to her temple. She dropped the towel, and in a smooth motion, grabbed her shirt and tugged it off over her head. As I had known, Beth's breasts were smaller than the others I had experience with so far, but man, were they cute. They were round and jiggly, and did they look good when viewed from down between her legs. Her nipples were dark against her fair skin, and very, very erect. Her aureoles were not round either, but vertically narrow oblongs. I let my appreciation show in my eyes and started to get serious about making her squirm. Any thoughts of releasing her backside to reach up and play with one or two of those cute titties had to be abandoned as I need both hands to keep her twisting hips on the chair. Beth's eyes rolled back in her head and she started testing the limits of the sound, proofing of the room with her high-pitched moans. I slid my tongue along the length of her slit, from back to front, in a single, intentionally torturous stroke, ending with a flourish or two around her bud. I could feel her body coil itself, ready to come under my attentions. And she suddenly shoved my head out of her crotch. No, she gasped. You can make me come like that later. She looked down at me, eyes glinting. I want my first orgasm with you to be from that cock, Beth panted indicating my fully recovered member. Fuck me, all. Now, apparently, my slugging percentage was going to remain 4.0. It really did seem to be a pretty extreme way for two buddies to lighten up a study break. I asked Beth, but I was already rising up on my knees and moving my cock toward where my face had just been. I didn't think I was going to be ready to go all the way tonight, she gasped. But yeah, yeah, I am very sure. To illustrate her commitment, Beth leaned forward and grasped my shaft, guiding me forward against her pussy. I felt my head nestle into her soft, soaked pubes. With the most minor of twitches, Beth aligned me with her opening, and I automatically began to press into her. She groaned happily as I sank in, delving an inch or so in, then backing off just a fraction 
before sinking in further. Holy shit, I'm going to be so full! Beth gasped to herself, more than me, as I pressed deeper into her tight confines. Her moist, hot embrace of my cock was deliriously nice as I kept working into her, taking my time. I could just feel that orgasm she had delayed, still quivering in her, waiting for release. It felt a bit like working with a ticking bomb, where any vigorous action by me might send her over the edge. I softly tugged her hips off the edge of the chair so I could keep delving deeper while still on my knees, hands happy to have even better access to grope her ass. And I settled to a stop, just barely but completely inside her. I paused. Ready, I growled. That weird male instinct I had discovered was preening. Beth just rolled her hips against me and groaned wordlessly. I retracted my length from her slowly, almost all the way. Then I sank back into her almost twice as fast. Then I did it again, even faster. In a few strokes, I was pistoning in and out as fast as I could manage. Beth's eyes widened at my sudden assault. She bit her lower lips for a moment. Then, the precipice that her nervous system had been clinging to since I finished going down on her collapsed. Her body jerked and she mewed like a cat, a loud, sexy cat. Her tight pussy clenched even harder on my shaft. I paused briefly to let the wave wash over her, but when she sagged just the slightest, I resumed my pounding as hard and fast as I could. She came again, hands batting weakly at my chest as she did so. When her moans slowed, my thrusts did too. I was nowhere near coming myself, and I wanted to catch my breath and be a little selfish with my own enjoyment. As I shifted to slower, shallower penetrations, Beth finally caught her breath. Wow, Alistair, she smiled with a gasp. That was a little bit nice. I grinned. Well, I'm not done being nice. You are like this. Beth said, twisting in the chair, and dislodged me from inside her. I was a little shocked at my ejection for a moment. Lie down, she commanded, then made the order moot as she shoved me almost roughly to my back on the floor. She collapsed on top of me, and we were suddenly kissing once more. I rode the delay for the moment and took the opportunity to get a good, thorough feel of her modest but delicious boobs. Their flesh bobbled in my grip, and she crooned happily at my explorations. But she was straddling me just about right, and I pushed my hips up underneath her, rubbing my dick against her wetness. Answering my entreaty, Beth reached down and grabbed my slick helmet in her fingers. She lifted her hips and guided me between her legs. I fit into her this time like a homing missile. I barely twitched my hips before Beth broke our kiss, sat upright, and smoothly sank down onto me, enveloping me once more inside of her. I even managed to keep my hands on her tits while all that happened. In celebration, I tweaked her nipples softly. Keep that up, she instructed, as she started to rise up and down on my pole. Oh, fuck. This is good, I groaned as she rose and fell with gathering fervor. I stopped pinching her nipples and transitioned to twirling circles around them with my fingertips. Her mounds were amazingly firm and smooth and were beginning to be beaded in a light sweat. With the frantic nature of her movements, I gave up trying to focus on her nipples and simply clasped those boobs, fingers sinking into their flesh as Beth rode me. At first, she seemed content to merely revel in the feel of taking me inside her over and over, but soon she was rocking back and forth and bending her hips differently with each stroke until she found what she liked. When she did, she started going to town, each rise and fall now dragging her bud along the length of my prick. What she was doing was sure as hell working for me too. My insides clenched harder and harder, and my balls, if humanly possible, felt more urgent than when she had blown me, just a few minutes before. We had no condom, and I started to desperately look for an emergency exit plan, trapped beneath Beth as I was. She sensed both my imminence and my worry. We're good. I've got an implant, she panted clearly getting a little imminent again herself. I want to feel you ung, fill me. Now she was banging up and down on me, and I really felt urgent, 
trying to prolong the incredible experience by nothing but quickly shredding force of will. When Beth start coming again, I just loudly growled, Oh, Christ! and emptied my lungs of air with the same involuntary urge with which my balls emptied themselves up my shaft and into Beth. It could not possibly have had the volume of that crazy blast I had put on her face before, but it still rushed into her with all the energy that simultaneously left my collapsing body, and its arrival inside Beth seemed to pile a second orgasm onto her on top of the still ongoing first one that had triggered my ejaculation. She literally squealed and jerkily humped atop me, each movement getting smaller and faster until she just vibrated away on my suddenly, but slowly, collapsing cock. I finally relinquished my possibly uncomfortable grip on her breasts and pulled her down against me, kissing her once more, but softer now in the afterglow. This was definitely going to be complicated. And I could not give less of shit about that.